You are listening to the Gateway Church in Spring Lake, Michigan. To learn more, visit us at thegatewaygh.com. Amen. All right. Well, let's go ahead and dive in. Uh, this morning is a kind of a final look at our Easter series, so to speak. It's two Sundays post-resurrection, and we are really, really blessed. And we're still here at the Gateway Church. Look around. You're still here. And what kind of struck me this week is that in the first century, after Jesus rose from the grave, the disciples were still together. They were still meeting And they were preparing for the greatest movement in human history, the advancement of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, on Easter, we propose a question. What is your greatest need? That's where we started this whole series. We're saying, hey, what is it in our lives that we need more than anything? And we've decided it's not a new car, it's not a new job, a new marriage, or more money, right? And there are hundreds of things that might kind of distract us or kind of help, you know, that we might gravitate towards saying, boy, I really need this or that. But when you strip all that away, what we really need is we need forgiveness. We need a Savior. Because the truth is, is that even one sin that goes unforgiven would eliminate you from spending an eternity in heaven because there's no sin in heaven. And when we talk about sin, we're talking about, now we're not talking about mistakes. We're talking about sin that separates. In the wages of sin, it was death, right? The penalty for your sin is death. But, Romans 6.23, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. That was week one. That was Easter. Then we rolled out last week uh, the kind of the second idea that Jesus is the answer to your greatest need. So your greatest need is to be forgiven and to have a Savior, and Jesus absolutely is the answer. He's always the answer, isn't he? And we discussed that, and we said that the solution was part of the shed blood of Jesus Christ on the cross. And now what's crazy is that in every religious organization, there's a solution, there's a reason, or there's this idea, there's an answer. But Jesus was the only one that said, not only do I have the answer, he said, I am the answer. And he gave it all. And we talked about who Jesus was last week. He's the son of God. He had these huge claims. He was fully God, fully man. And where you say, well, prove it to me. Well, the proof to Jesus' claims that those were true was found in the resurrection. The gospel hinges on the resurrection. And at the resurrection, it activated the disciples to the point that this small group of normal people, just like you and me, they transformed and still we are transforming the world, turned the world upside down. They gave their lives, literally, they were all in. And we're calling each other in this season at the Gateway Church to be all in. No holding back. We're saying this is our chance, this is our time. For God, we get to go all in. And the bottom line of last week was that Jesus is our Savior. Aren't you thankful for that? And with that, we get the grace of God, right, that we don't get what we deserve. And if you accept Jesus, if you serve Jesus, you follow Jesus, your sins are forgiven. 
death to the trespass, now alive in Christ. Praise God. It's the best news ever, right? And we need to be heralding that, sharing that. But we want to finalize the series with one more step. You're saying, okay, my sins are forgiven. Now what? Where do we go here? And not is there more in the sense of like we're greedy, but it's like this curiosity saying, okay, I've given my heart to the Lord. I've accepted Jesus. My sins are forgiven. Now what? And for the record, I believe that our sins being forgiven is enough. Amen. Right? But there is more. We need to learn to live in the fullness of what God has for us. It's incredible. Our small group, one of the small groups that I'm a part of on Thursdays, our business group, we're going through a book called uh, Doing Business God's Way. And in that book, Dennis Peacock, the, the uh, uh, author in chapter 3, said this, and it caught my attention this last week. He said, I love God for what Christ saved me from. And when we see that, we would, that's the Savior part of Jesus. He's forgiven our sins. But then it goes on, but I love even more for what, I love him even more for what he has saved me into. And that's what we want to get our mind around today, that we are grafted into the family of God. And with that, there are benefits. Yes, our sins are erased, but that only scratches the surface of what is offered to those who accept Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Jesus is the answer to our greatest need, yes. And the goal is found in Jesus. But it's crazy when you start to study who Jesus really is. Jesus is more than just a Savior, in fact, there are names of Jesus, the, the, all kinds of names. He's called the Christ. He's called the Savior. He's called the Son of God, the Son of Man, the Son of David. Jesus is called the Lamb of God, the Almighty One, the Word. He's called the Light of the World. In the prophecy, in the prophetic, uh, in Isaiah, it, it was proclaimed that Jesus would be the Wonderful Counselor. He'd be the Prince of Peace. We understand from Scripture that Jesus is the Alpha and Omega. That means he's the beginning and the end. He's the bread of life. He's the Redeemer. Jesus is more than just a Savior. He also is Lord. And in regards to the benefits that come with the Lordship, we want to get our minds around that. In John chapter 12, verses 12 through 15, the story goes that Jesus is gaining momentum. I mean, some serious momentum in his ministry at this point. He's coming into Jerusalem as king. Palm branches are being raised, which is symbolic of royalty. The people are saying, Hosanna, right? Blessed is he who comes, right, in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the king of Israel, verse 15. And the Israelites, who are God's people, they had been looking for a king looking for a Messiah, a Savior. And it was prophesied that he would be coming. Now, this caused some friction, some political issues. Jesus was gaining popularity. He was teaching, uh, and it, we talked about it last week, his teaching was super persuasive. He had authority over stuff. He could speak to the wind. He could speak to the sea. He's healing people. There's miracles. He's even raising his friend uh, from the dead. And I don't know if you've ever wondered why in the world, if God was, if Jesus was doing all these wonderful 
things, why would they crucify him? Why would they take him to the cross? Well, the truth is, is that the Pharisees, the Jewish leaders, and even the Romans, they were afraid that Jesus was taking over, that he was called king. And in John chapter 11, just the chapter before, before he comes in, the, the triumphal entry coming into Jerusalem, like I mentioned, he had raised his friend from the dead. Lazarus was now alive again. Talk about gaining momentum. If someone raised you from the, you know, I mean, there was people flocking all over, and they started to plot to kill Jesus. The Pharisees made a plan, and it was that plan that over time, they ended up with putting Jesus on the cross. But what's crazy to me is that even on the cross, what did they put above Jesus' head? In, Ma- in Matthew chapter 27, verse 37, Jesus is on the cross, and they nail above his head, this is Jesus of Nazareth, what? King of the Jews. And of course, that was to fulfill prophecy, but it was rightly so. Jesus is the King. He's Savior and King. Say that with me. Jesus is the Savior and King. In regards to our sin, He is our Savior. And in regards to His authority over us and over everything, uh, He is King. He's King of heaven. He's King of the earth. He's King over our lives. Amen? And in a kingdom, who owns everything? The King. That's right. And so when you think of kingship, you think of ownership. Who has the authority? It's the king. My mind this week went to being a parent. And I know we've got some families in here. Who owns the kids and all their stuff? The parents. That's right. Think about it. Who owns your kids' phones and game systems and TV and computers? Moms and dads, you own those things. You say, oh, well, little Johnny saved up and bought his own phone, so I don't think I can take it from him when he's naughty. Are you kidding me? You own the phone. You own the boy. You own it all, right? I've been encouraged a little. Smart Money, Smart Kids, our parenting class on Wednesday nights has given me a little extra boost. Dave Ramsey, in his book, Smart Money, Smart Kids, tells a story of one of his kids. I think it was his son, if I remember right. And uh, he, he saved up and bought this, like, $30,000 car. I mean, it, like... Dave Ramsey, you know, they were going to do the 401 day. They were matching the, whatever his kid would do. And his son saved up all this money and bought this super nice car. And then his boy got a little nip or snippy with him. And Dave and his wife, they took the keys. And the son's like, no, no, that's my car. I bought that with my money. And Dave, the only way that Dave can do it, he's like, uh-uh, you're under my house that's my car. <laughs> and I'm like, yes, I love that. I don't know. We've had a similar situation in my house too. But anyway, back to Jesus. He's the king of kings. <laughs> and he's the owner. And when you think of an owner, right, a good king not only owns it all, but he cares. He cares a lot. And Jesus is a great example. This is displayed all throughout the Gospels. But in John, I pulled out three little examples. In John chapter 11, Jesus 
he weeps over his friend that had, been, that had died, Lazarus, that I just mentioned a second ago. He cared for Lazarus. But not only did he care, but he also had the authority to do something about it, and he called Lazarus from the grave. You say, how could he do that? Well, he had power and authority over everything, including death and the grave. So he calls Lazarus. We see both care, or he owns it, but he also cares. In, in John chapter 20, he, John, uh, Jesus shows up and, uh, to, to meet Thomas one-on-one. Thomas missed the meeting a week earlier after the resurrection. And uh, Thomas is saying, Lo, look, unless I see his hands, unless I see his feet, I'm not going to believe. And Jesus shows up because he loved Thomas. He cared for Thomas. But in that little dialogue, we notice that Jesus steps right into a locked room where the disciples were, right? And you're saying, wow, how could Jesus do that? Well, the reason is because Jesus owned the room. He owns it all. And he had authority and power to just do what he wants in those situations. One more example, I love this post-resurrection story. Probably my favorite is because I relate with Peter a lot. Jesus, in John chapter 21, he, first of all, he commands a bunch of fish after they've been fishing all night, didn't catch a thing, and he commands a bunch of fish to get in the net, which is pretty cool. But then, not only so he displays his authority, his power in this story, but then he comes and he sits next to Peter. And he comes and puts his arm around him, and he reinstates Peter. In all three of these examples, we see Jesus not only owning or having authority over the situation, doing the supernatural, but also he cared deeply. Jesus is king. He owns it all, and he cares. He has power and authority, and he cares. You say, why is this so important? Well, let's just back up. Let's remind ourselves where we've been. Remember, Jesus is the answer to the greatest need to be forgiven, to have a Savior. Jesus is Savior, but he's also Lord and King. Jesus is the King of our lives. And what that means according to Scripture, is that we are sons and daughters of the King. Turn with me to Romans chapter 8. I love this little section here. Romans chapter 8, we'll start in verse 14. We see the truth of who we are in Christ for those that are in the Spirit. Look what it says, verse 14. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. The Spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought, you, brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. We're part of the family. Verse 16, the spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. I love that. And then verse 17, here's the kicker. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his suffering in order that we may also share in his glory. We have benefits because we are children of God. 
If we are sons and daughters, we are heirs of what? Of the kingdom of God. And what is the kingdom? The kingdom of God includes absolutely everything. I want you to get your mind around this. We are sons of God, sons and daughters of God. We are heirs. We're heirs of what? The kingdom of God, right? We're co-heirs with Christ. What is the, in the kingdom? Absolutely everything. We are co-heirs with Christ and together with Jesus. And this I know, that heirs care about the inheritance. They care about the investment. Now, when I was growing up, there were two things that I heard my parents say over and over and over. And I was thinking about it, and I was like, man, you know, it's like a broken record. And I'm sure there's things that you've said to your kids over and over. It's like, will they ever learn? And I, I've done the same with my kids. But the two things that just came to my mind this week is the first one was, was this, that, uh, that my parents, they would tell me to stop jumping and hitting the door frames with my hands. I guess I had greasy hands. I don't know. But as soon as I could hit the door frame, I was jumping and hitting or hitting the ceiling. And I was, I liked basketball. And so anytime I'd go through like this, I'd be like, yeah, like that. And, and I, I mean, all the time. My parents were always like, Ben, stop that. We're going to have to clean that. Or we're going to have to repaint that. Or you're going to do this or that or whatever. Fingerprints, whatever. My mom was a neat freak, right? Ooh, did I just say that? But the second thing, and maybe you've done this too, my parents, I heard over and over, was not only stop jumping and hitting things, was to turn off the lights. How many of you parents have told your kids, turn off the stinking lights? A million times. Maybe it's revenge, because we have the same problem in my family today. Turn off the light. Turn off the light. I know some of you are thinking maybe over and over, hundreds of times, I heard my parents say double flush, but, um, but they may have said that too. But anyway, but why were my parents so concerned? Because they were the owners of the house, right? They didn't want my sticky fingers all over the place. They, they are the ones paying for the, for the light bill, right? They cared for their investment, and so it was important to them, and they would tell me over and over. Now, track with me here. Co-heirs, that's us, with Christ, care about the investment. They care about the kingdom of God. And remember, what was the kingdom of God? Everything. We should care about everything, bringing heaven to earth. Right? The verse says, on earth as it is in heaven. And if you were to say, well, I just don't care so much about that, about the kingdom of God. Yeah, you know, Jesus has forgiven me, whatever. But listen, you're probably not an heir if you don't care. <laughs> How many have ever rented a car, and before you return the car, what, what don't you do? You have to put gas in it because otherwise they'll charge you. You don't wash the car before you turn in a rental, right? I don't. But I wash my car every single week, if not more than once or twice, because I like a clean car, and I've told you that before. But I've never, not even once, washed a rental car because I don't own it, right? I'm not a co-heir with that. 
There's stories all throughout scriptures of people taking ownership. Nehemiah took ownership of the city. And the book of Nehemiah is Nehemiah saying, you know what? Someone's got to do something about that. I'm going to care for this. Jesus, he took authority every place he went. Think about it. Jesus made every place he went better. Is that true or am I right? Absolutely. And we are co-heirs with Christ. So the same should be true for us. We are children of the king. And the kingdom, yes, it has some rules and some laws, but it also has tremendous benefits. There's privilege that comes being a child of God. And we are called to live and to reign on earth. Amen? Some of you know this. Others of you are saying, what? Jesus did not say to his disciples when he met them in the room and he busted through the, the walls, he didn't say, hey, let's just stay here locked up, right? Uh, don't go outside. It's dangerous out there. No. He said to go. Jesus said, as the Father has sent me, John 20, verse 21, I am sending you. In other words, get to work, that you are a child of God. There's two privileges that come with being an heir. The first one is this, you share in the responsibility. When you're a part of the Vey family, there are certain things that are required to be a part of the family. There are certain duties, certain rules within our household. And with the, for the church, in, in, or as far as your faith, you look to the God's Word saying, okay, what are the things that I need to be doing? You look to God's Word for instruction. Heirs take responsibility. They own it. We share our responsibility with Christ. And so practically speaking, we must, listen, take responsibility for our families, for our friends, for our coworkers. For our schools. Question. What happens when you show up? Do things change? Do you bring the presence of God with you? Are you sharing in that responsibility? You bring, there's a responsibility there to change the atmosphere. Things are cared for when you show up. They should be. Things change. You become like a servant, just like Jesus did. True ownership is redefined by Jesus as servanthood. In fact, in that verse that we were reading earlier, verse 17, it says, Now, if we're children, then we're heirs, heirs of God, co-heirs with Christ. Then it says, If indeed we share in his suffering. Jesus suffered. He was the one responsible to go to the cross for us. He served us. He took ownership. He modeled it in his life, and we need to do the same. When you're a co-heir, you share in responsibility. The second thing is that we, a, an heir shares in the glory. Look at that verse. I just closed my Bible, but look at what it says. It says in verse 17, it says, it says we share in the suffering. That's a responsibility in order that we may also share in the glory. What does that mean? That means that no longer are we dead, but we are alive. No longer are we slaves to sin. No longer are we strangers. No longer are we broken or powerless because we are co-heirs with Christ. 
The truth of that is incredible. And by the way, wherever we go, we need to claim the ground. We need to bring the glory of God with us. Before we moved to this location, our, we were up at, at the other church, just up the road, and one of my favorite places to eat was Qdoba. We still like to eat at Qdoba, but I, don't, I would go there every week, and it was really strategic. I knew a lot of the workers there. A lot of the workers knew me. They knew who I was. I'd bring in the team and I'd introduce them, bring in my family, whatever. And I would have the mentality that, you know what? This Qdoba is my Qdoba. And I cared for it. And I prayed for people. And there were times that I was able to really make a difference. And, uh, and so we've moved now, and we're in this location. And I'm saying, man, Qdoba's a little out of the way now. What do I do? Well, I found a new Qdoba. <laughs> but it's not Qdoba. It's called Tony's Pizza. And it's right around the corner in Ferrysburg. And what's cool is that we reached out to them in our grand opening. They partnered with us, and we blessed all of our neighbors. And some of you are neighbors, and you know what I'm talking about. We gave away gift cards saying, hey, we just wanted you to know we're here, and we want to care for you, and this is hopefully a blessing to you. And it was so cool. The owner of, of uh, Tony's matched dollar for dollar every penny that we invested into our neighbors. They do, he doubled, so if we did five, we were going to do $5 gift cards. He said, no, we're going to do $10 gift cards. It was pretty cool. But when I show up at Tony's, that's my Tony's. <laughs> I bring the presence of God with me. I bring the glory. I take that ground seriously. And seriously, I know the owner, I know a lot of his family, I know the co-workers and their names, and I try to drag these guys there, they don't always go, but uh, we, I share the good news, I, it's, I'm a friend of these people, and it's a partnership. Some of you go to the gym, and you need to have the mentality that this is my gym. Some of you, at your school, you're saying, you know what, this is my school. Some of you, in your break room at work, you're saying, no, this is my break room. I'm going to bring the presence of God. I am a co-heir with Christ, and I own it all. The kingdom is mine. Bring heaven to earth. You say, how does that happen? Well, we share the glory. And by the way, I believe as a co-heir with Christ, when we bring heaven to earth, in heaven there's no sickness, there's no depression, and so we need to bring that mentality to earth. We can drive back the powers of darkness, amen? And the truth is, is that the war is already over. Jesus has defeated death in the grave, and we are co-heirs with him. So there's no slavery, there's no addiction, right? We are free from sin. We are not under sin's grips any longer. Jesus came, you are free, period. You're a child of God. Satan has lost, and you are absolutely not defeated, no matter what you think. So let's take a step back, recap. Our greatest need is to be forgiven, right? We need a Savior. Jesus is the answer to that. He is our Savior, but He's more than that. He is also 
our king. Say it with me. Jesus is our king. One more time. Jesus is our king. And I want to declare that the kingdom is here on earth as it is in heaven. We share in the responsibility. We share in the glory. We need to live like we're sons and daughters of the king. We need to enjoy our sonship and our daughtership. We need to live like a child of God. We need to live in the fullness of what God has for us. And if you understand that, it changes the way we live. Let's pray. In fact, why don't you stand and let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for the truth of your word. Lord, we understand that we're uh, walking in divine favor because we're co-laborers with you. You don't leave us high and dry. God, you give us strength and you give us uh, everything we need to live. And Spirit of God, we just we declare that we need you in our lives to help us to understand who we are and how we should live. Lord, we thank you for this. God, we give you the praise and the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to reprise a song that talks about this. The Spirit of God coming, falling fresh on us. And we absolutely need the presence of God if we're going to live as sons and daughters of the King. I want you all across this place just to lift your hands front to the back, and what we're going to do is we're just going to press in and ask the Lord to meet us in this moment. Let's do it. Praise the name of the Lord. Earlier in the service, Pastor Bruce gave a call for salvation. If you were coming back to the Lord, or if you were saying, man, I've never made a decision for Christ, but I need to that and before we dismiss or once we dismiss we want to meet you right up front here and I know there were a few that responded and I'm going to encourage you that when the masses are going this way just make your way up here and Pastor Bobby is going to meet with you and uh, just we want to give you the next thing the next step it's just a couple little things that you can do this week to help you get planted to get rooted in the right way but in regards to the message this morning, for some of you, this is a great, refreshing me message. Like, man, I, I know that, that I'm a king, or that I'm a son and a daughter of the king, and you just needed, like, a little boost, and you're like, yeah, I'm on my way. There's others that are here that didn't know who you were. It is the staff and I were talking about this in the week. Pastor Bobby said it's kind of like in the Civil War. The war was over, but in the Deep South, there were still slaves serving their masters, even though they were technically free. And the truth is, you may have had your sins forgiven. And you're saying, okay. Whew. But you're not living in the fullness of who you are in Christ. That is a huge deal. And this 
morning, if you're here and you're saying, man, I want to live in the fullness of who I am in Christ, I want you just to lift your hands here together. Come on, all across this place. We need that, right? Yeah. I want to live with the authority. Yes, there's responsibility, but then we get to enjoy the glory, the goodness, the benefits as well. this for us. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that we can embrace the truth of your word, that we are sons and daughters. We are co-heirs with Christ for the kingdom of heaven. And the kingdom of heaven includes living on earth right here, right now. Help us, Lord, to walk in our responsibility. Help us to bring your glory into situations. As we often pray, Lord, I pray that you'd go before us, behind us, and all around us. We pray it in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen and amen. We love you. God bless you. If you're here for the first time, we want to encourage you to stop by the Connection Center. If you are responding to a salvation or a rededication, we want to meet you right here and just make your way. Otherwise, go in the grace of God. We love you this morning. Thank you for listening to this week's message from the Gateway Church. If you'd like to find out more about our church, such as service times, giving, and ways to get connected, visit us at thegatewaygh.com.